Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I'm Kate Spencer. And I'm Dori Shafrir. And we're not experts. We're not. We're two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. Did you put a serum on today? Um, no. Not to put you on the spot. Not to put you on the spot. Um, I didn't because, partly because I... Just put on some, my skin was feeling kind of dry this morning, actually. Um, and I put on the Skin Fix Triple Lipid Peptide Cream, which is a, a moisturizer that I usually only put on at night because it's kind of thick. But I felt like my skin needed that extra quenching. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so calling put, to you to be quenched. It was. So I just put that on and some sunscreen um, and walked the dog. And it's kind of a weird day here. Our, uh, Henry isn't in camp right now and our nanny is sick. So it's been just sort of like a, and we're recording and, uh, you know, playing with him, having him watch TV. Like, it's just, it's not like a, it's a, it feels like a little bit of a weird day here. I know those days. Yeah. Where it's like, you don't know what day or time it actually is. You're just kind of like, what's happening. I just got to get through this day. Totally. And I have to say also, I've been, um, well, we've been trying to save money, first of all. So that's like sort of the the back, kind of the backstory. But also, I've also been feeling just like a little lazy. And so my lunch lately has been half a bag of the Trader Joe's chicken cilantro frozen wontons. Yum. I love those. <laughs> They're that's so good. Lazy. That's fantastic. You're feeding yourself and taking care of yourself. They're so good. They're so, so easy. Good. They just like crisp right up. They take... Cook them in some oil. Yeah, mm. cook them in some mm-hmm. oil. They take six minutes to cook. I put a little bit of soy sauce on them and just like go to town. Do you have any other favorite prepared Trader Joe's items? Well, I do think their fried rice is pretty good. Oh, their fried rice is very good. I actually I think Scott. I mm, yes. I actually think like it's obviously not like gourmet, the way they. But I I think their most of their Asian food is pretty good. Like 
they're Japanese, they're Korean, they're Chinese. Like it's oh, all their soup dumplings are are oh Henry yum, yum. Henry is obsessed with their soup dumplings. He will yeah, take down a whole package a of them and just like he loves them. Loves. They also have really good scallion pancakes. Mm-hmm. Um, they have good Korean pancakes. They have good japchae. Like I think I think they're they're. Asian food is where they shine. I have not loved their frozen Mexican food. What? The tiny chicken tacos? I don't think they're that good. Oh, boy. I polished off some of those yesterday, speaking of lunch. I don't know. I got I got hmm. those a couple times, and I was like, I'm not really feeling these. Wow. That's okay. Yeah. You know, to each what their about own. You? Ooh, the shumai is good. Well, I'm, I'm looking. Oh, I'm kind shumai of scrolling really through. Yeah. You know, I think, look, I, I think you raise a good point, which is like, fed just like you take care of yourself by by you're getting a meal that's great and i think trader joe's we i stock up i mean between trader joe's and fucking costco i'm packing my freezers are my freezers are full um my i do we went through like a major bean taquito phase for a few years and then we had the situation where we couldn't like the trader joe's didn't have them Ooh, this is always a crisis when you get into a relationship, like a long-term relationship with a frozen Trader Joe's mm-hmm. item. And then it's, and especially when your kids are in into them, mm-hmm. like that's all my kids were eating for lunch were these, I would be, you know, toasting up these taquitos every morning. And then one day they just, and we would stockpile them and they were gone. Um, And so that was like a tough one. I like their burritos. I... I mean, like their croissants are amazing. If you've ever done a Trader Joe's croissant situation, you leave mm. them out and they like puff up and then you bake them in the morning. Um, uh, I think their pizzas are good. I like their frozen gnocchi. Uh, I'm trying to think of what's in our fridge right now. I believe we have a teriyaki, barbecue teriyaki chicken floating around in there. I always um, stockpile the frozen rice to always have on hand. Yes. The cauliflower gnocchi is delicious. You know, Kate, I also do just want to note that in the Patreon Discord, there is a thread of Trader Joe's Rex that people have been adding to. Well, there was a Costco um, Rex for a while as well. Yeah. I, I, I love Trader Joe's. And I know we've discussed Aldi and they're, I believe they're from the same family company. Um, and so you can get similarly wonderful frozen items mm. but i mean there's so like to to truly like honor what you can get at trader joe's you have to break it down by category because like we haven't even gotten into like i mean i could do a whole conversation about trader joe's crackers there's so many great different oh, crackers. totally their so, pita their pita crackers are really good oh, so good mm-hmm. so uh, i mean their cheese mm-hmm Sometimes I'll find like a video that's like, I'm a cheesemonger and here's what's great at Trader Joe's. And I <laughs> save that video real fast. Okay. I have to say, I yes. um, I threw Matt a little surprise party for his birthday. I'm sad I missed it. I'm sad you missed it too. You were missed. Um, and I put together a little cheese plate from Vaughn's. Ooh. Which is just like a regular old grocery store here in Los Angeles. And were you proud of your work? I was. I was like, you know what? This is decent. This is decent. I, I, so it's kind of like a charcuterie board situation? I did get some little um, salamis. Mm. I didn't have a ton of time. Like, if I had really kind of 
you know, had time and more money, I would have like really done it up. But like, I was pretty pleased with the result of just Uh like a, a quick, slightly frantic trip to Vaughn's and like grabbing a bunch of cheeses and bread and crackers and fig jam and salami. There's a lot you can do with a charcuterie board. I made one. I kind of followed, like I Googled like how to make a simple Trader Joe's charcuterie board. Mm. And I used like, I had some fruit and I tried to style it and I put like little dried, their little dried oranges that are like coated in sugar and so delicious Mm. on the edge. And it, it was very pretty. I've actually been thinking how I want to try to make pretty charcuterie boards. <laughs> For whom? I guess I will have to host, which gives me anxiety, but I think I would I think I would like to charcuterie again. You know, Kate, I would like to experience your charcuterie. Okay, I'll have you over for a charcuterie, okay, a Trader Joe's charcuterie board. Just just have me over. <laughs> Just you, and I'll give you just a giant, your own charcuterie board. Yes. And then I'll be like my grandmother and sit there and watch you, expect you to eat all of yes, it. Yes, exactly. Oh, my god. Well, gosh. you know, I sh- I do just want to shout out that I am wearing a serum today. I did wash my face. And I'm wearing Clore's Brilliant Light Multi-Correctional Repair Serum. It's their vitamin C serum. Ooh. I love it. I love their prods. And that is what I put on my skin today. And then do you know what I put on? Okay. Can I take you on a little bit of a a journey? Yes, please. Okay. So I became obsessed with uh, like bringing stuff along to kind of get through jet lag. Uh, My family just recently traveled to Japan, which was an amazing experience. And something that was recommended to me online was from this company called De Mamiel. Okay. It is like a natural skincare line from the UK and they make something called altitude oil mm-hmm. which is this little bottle like an in they call it an inhalation essence okay quote carry it with you at all times to keep a clear head and energize your mind when constantly on the go so me being me i bought one based on these recommendations that I had run online. And I did Mm -hmm. find it very nice when I was feeling a little tired to just sniff it. But they also then sent me some samples of their other products and I'm loving them. And Mm. and they just sent like, they just, you know, like they, it's the kind of thing where you get the box and they're these like couple tiny samples, which I love when people do that. Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't know anything about this brand. I only came to it because I somehow stumbled upon an article about this oil for jet lag. And right now I have their products are all like, I will say they are in a high price range. Um, And so I'm a little, I'm already like, well, when these samples run out, like farewell to you. I've loved, I've loved and I've lost, but they have this like daily moisturizer. It's called exhale daily hydrating nectar. And it feels so good and it has zinc in it for a little bit of sun protection. And then they have this oil dory mm. that I have loved. And it is their summer facial oil. And I have a tiny little bottle and it's almost gone. My skin feels so soft the next day after using this at night, which I often feel like oil doesn't quite, my skin doesn't quite respond. Hmm. But okay. whatever's going on in this summer oil, 
by De Mamiel. Handmade in England, it says. This is the shit. Okay. Anyway, that was the journey I went on with this brand. I do like their altitude oil if you are um, extra like I am and you want to sniff something while traveling. I, I recommend it, but mm. I don't think it's I don't think it's needed. It's mm-hmm. travel aromatherapy is what they have. They have okay. a lot of they have a lot of interesting products. Okay. Well, thank yeah. you, Kate, for that wreck. Now, Kate, how are you doing with like your travel and well, the jet lag has been extreme. Yes. Um, and luckily we are, we came home and my kids have about a week. Well, not now it's a few days before school starts. So we're just kind of trying to reset, um, and get back into things. Mm. Uh, and I'll, I'll talk more about my jet lag drama, but it's, it's challenging. It's really challenging, but this was our first time traveling as a family to another country. My children are, Mm. you know, 10 and 12 and they, um, they did great, and it was. I've going to Japan has been like a bucket list dream of mine, and we went. We only were able to go to Tokyo, um, only like we were fortunate to be able to go to Tokyo, but we didn't. We didn't travel really outside of that area. Mm-hmm. But I would like to go back and spend as much time there as possible. And yeah. let me tell you, I embarrassed my family many times because there is so much amazing sun protection to be offered. I okay, every you around every corner. Me, you sent me some really good photos. Now I have to tell you, and I'll t- I haven't told you this yet, but I'll tell you this on the podcast. Okay. I bought you a couple things, but I also <gasps> well, I also want to honor the fact that you have decluttered, and I don't want you to feel like you have to take on new Aww, products. That's very nice. So I just want you to know you can you can be like thanks for the thinking of me, but I actually don't need to add anything to my space right now. That's but- very sweet, but I will take your. <laughs> Specially bought Japanese products. Thank Dory. you so much. The Biori, I we walked into a store and the Biori sunscreen selection, like there was just a wall of not just the watery essence, which I love, but other Biori sun, like other pro. And I lost my freaking mind. Oh my God. And then I had to like give a speech about why like European and Asian sunscreens are better than American sunscreens and how your kids like, okay, mom, (laughs) and my husband, they were all just like, oh my God. Okay. And then the amount that I, and then we had to like, we packed very light. And so then the rearranging of things in order for me to bring back a bunch of watery essence sunscreens. That's so funny. It was, it was a lot. It was a lot, but I just, That's I felt really very seen. I felt like I bought an umbrella. I bought a UV umbrella. You felt seen by Japan because I was like, you, yes, it's a, it's a, it to me felt like a country that like they take sun protection very seriously. Yes. Yes. And I often feel like as an American, I'm like, well, just cook me up. Right. <laughs> just cook me up in this sun. <laughs> And like the, I was also really like blown away by, it was super hot. It was extremely hot and humid. And, um, I, I have always been like an umbrella for the sun. Will that do anything? And Mm. I was sold when I saw everybody had Mm -hmm. them. And then I bought one finally, like halfway through the trip. And it was like, I, I can't wait to be that person 
who is now an umbrella user. Are you going to do that here? Um, I, I don't, I want to, I might. Yeah. Okay. Like when I walk my kids to school and it's, you know, it's a mile each way and it's like, I wear my big hat, but this, the umbrella is a big hat for my body. Umbrellas are body hats. Umbrellas Umbrellas are are body hats. hats. (laughs) You know, it's taken me all this time to realize. I am so glad you have come to that realization. Not that only umbrellas that, are body hats. They're body hats. Now, I I went on the last day, I went to go buy one other thing that I wanted, which was the city exclusive uh, perfume from Lalabo. Okay. And I walked there and I brought my umbrella because it was sunny. And then on the way back, it started raining. Like I just, I still had the umbrella oh. up and then it shifted so quickly and it started raining. And I was like, you well, truly are the thing most. You had that. Yeah. The most useful tool known to mankind, the umbrella. Wow. Changed my life. Wow. Yeah. Okay. This is exciting. So I, I, we had an amazing time. It was really special. Um, I, do you want to tell, just, do you want to tell people while you were there? Well, I, yes, sure. Um, so Anthony, my husband co-wrote the book of the musical Beetlejuice and we got to go see it open in japan it's being performed in tokyo and it's touring and it's um it's a you know a japanese cast the show was so great it was such a cool experience to get to see it in another language the star is like a very famous singer and actor in japan named jesse oh wow okay he was very handsome and he was great. Like it was just really, it was really neat. Also, it's like always, it's always, I'm very proud of Anthony and I was yeah. like very fun to just get to be like, can you believe this is happening? So cool. This is bonkers, you know, because, you know, I've known him since, you know, as I've mentioned on the show, he was a temp working like 24 hours a day because trying to make it musical theater. So proud and look wife. At him now. Proud wife. Proud I, wife. Yeah proud wife and and you know what and now he's married to someone who cares about his skin and keeping him safe he's the lucky one he really yeah he really won out he I did think. he really he did, did. <sighs> well thank you for letting me go off on oh that my gosh, topic Kate, of course should we introduce our guest yeah i am like a very emotional about our guest today because as i believe we established in our interview I have a deeply parasocial relationship with this person. And she handled that in stride. I feel like I kept being like, you know, how do you feel about how you've specifically changed my life? (laughs) No, I think you played it cool. Okay. We're talking to Dr. Chelsea Jackson Roberts, who is an internationally celebrated Peloton yoga teacher. She is a scholar who is highly regarded as a leader in a new generation of yogis who are passionate about expanding the visibility of who is commonly seen as a teacher. She's been on the cover of Yoga Journal. She has been featured in countless media outlets. And she is, in addition to Peloton, best known for her work with yoga and teens and making connection between literacy, development, storytelling, and yoga. She founded Yoga Literature and Art Camp at Spelman College Museum of Fine Art, which is, uh, no, excuse me, after receiving her doctorate in educational studies from Emory. She's, when we say we are not experts, 
we are we what we are not we what we are then suggesting is that there are people who are and Chelsea is truly an expert in I think in yoga and the ways in which it can be a tool for so many things um and she's just such a fantastic teacher like I just I ju- I just I just uh I love her she also has very calming energy and a yes, very calming voice. If you have ever taken any of her yoga classes or her meditations online um, or maybe in person, uh, you will know that to be yes. true. She's a great instructor and just brings like so much warmth and knowledge to the experience. And as she did to our conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, before we get to Chelsea, Dory, let's yes. remind folks that you can visit our website, forever35podcast.com, for links to everything we mention on episodes. You can follow us on Instagram at forever35podcast. You can join our Patreon for more podcast content. That's at patreon.com slash forever35. And favorite products that we love can be found at shopmy.us slash forever35. All right. We'll be right back. You know, Dory, we talk to a lot of really fantastic, intelligent people on this podcast. But I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. Mm, I'd love to go deeper. We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish on Masterclass. Every year I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them. Like, I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass. But this year, I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now, they dissect issues women face in the U.S. and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college. So this is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, even if you're like, this is the first time I'm hearing those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes. Get into it with Masterclass because this is the year you can really learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be Redefining feminism with Gloria Steinem. It can be gardening in your own garden or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss or think like a boss with Martha Stewart or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more social events. There's weddings. There's nights out. It's 
vacations. I mean, like all the things happening in summer. And what I love is that Honey Love has just the right thing for all those events. Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best-selling Super Power Short. The Super Power Short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak. I wear that thing every day. I do too. Uh, It's my favorite Honey Love piece. Let me, let me just tell you why. Yeah, get into okay, it. Do you want to tell me why? <laughs> no, no. I was just going to say like, I, I, I don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it like the event is every day of my life. Yes, that's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires. And just like sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, oh God, like get this off of me. <laughs> No, thank once you. you. Once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. You see how also, it could like, be. Yes. Also, like summer sweat under those underwires is like, ugh, the worst. Now you don't have to worry about it. Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from quince. Ooh, mm-hmm. okay. It, it, like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I, I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter toot, or toot, Kate. or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from thirty dollars. You got washable silk tops, really stunning fourteen karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, If you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E 
com slash forever 35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever 35. You know, one thing I think is really kind of interesting about skin, my skin, but all skin is that like what it needs now in my 40s is not what I needed in my 30s. Totally. Definitely not what I needed in my 20s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like, how are you supposed to know what your skin needs? It's hard. It's hard to know. Especially when there's just like so many products out there. The overwhelm is real. It's a struggle to even know how to get the results you want, what products to start with. This is why we're super excited to partner with Apostrophe. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed medications that are clinically proven to help. I have used Apostrophe. I love it. They will pair you with a board-certified dermatologist who literally creates a personalized treatment plan for your skin. I have done this a few times now. It is so easy to do their online consultation. You upload photos and like within a few weeks, I had done the consultation and received my treatment plan and my product. Amazing. And that is how I became a tretinoin gal. I love the tretinoin that they sent me. I love their sunscreen. Both products have been amazing on my skin. And you, Forever 35 listeners, can get a special deal from Apostrophe. You can get your first visit for only $5. That's at apostrophe.com slash forever35 when you use our code forever35. Now, that is a savings of $15. I like that. This code is only available to Forever 35 listeners. So to get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash forever35 and click get started. And then use our code forever35 at sign up and you will get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. We're very excited about today's guest uh, because she is someone who has been in our homes in a magical way via the Peloton app. Yes, if you have not guessed, we have Dr. Chelsea Jackson Roberts on the show today, amazing Peloton instructor, and so much more. And uh, I'm like giddy with excitement. Uh, so thank you for doing this because. Um, you know, it's it's so funny taking like as a person who takes a class with you, mm-hmm. you've been you've been with me through a lot of stuff, as I know you have for Dory and for many other people. And that's such a powerful, it's such an interesting kind of um, role to to have to really settle into, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. I first of all, thank you so much. And I just, you know, filled with so much joy when I hear that anyone has been touched by the way that I share yoga and meditation. And so to know that it gets folks through those challenging, tough times, like that's what really brought me and got me coming back to the practice those tough and challenging times. Like, of course, the practice made um, the joy even more potent. It made it more meaningful. I think that my joyful moments stick with me a little bit more because Mm. of yoga and meditation. And also those moments of deep suffering, those moments of what in the world is going on, yoga and meditation certainly Mm. have helped me navigate those moments too. Yeah. So I'm glad that it it is doing something for someone. Oh my gosh. (laughs) No, it was, it was just, it was funny because I hadn't 
done, I hadn't done yoga in a little while. And then I did one of your classes, mm-hmm. I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, or whatever it was. And I said to Kate, mm-hmm. I told Kate that I had done your class and I just, it just like really calmed me down and brought me to a good place. And then the next day, your publicist reached out about you coming on the wow. show. Ooh. And I was like, this is weird <laughs> because <laughs> I was just talking about her. So I don't know. I don't want to say that I manifested this, but you were in my head. Um, so thank you. And, you know, I echo everything that Kate has been saying. Um, you're just a really meaningful part, I think, of both of our lives. So thank thank you. you. Um, we do like to start all of our interviews by asking our guests about a self care practice that they have. So is Mm -hmm. there, something that is meaningful for you right now in terms Mm. of self-care? That's a great question because I feel like it could be easy for me to miss these moments of where I see self-care because it was funny. I was just talking to my husband, Shane, about this, where I was just like, wow, I really committed and dedicated my life to making sure that I took care of myself. Mm. Like, I was like, I think I did this on purpose. Like, I was like, Mm. I chose something that would um, encourage me, if not force me. You know, I usually Mm -hmm. don't like to force anybody to do something, but Sometimes I need that for myself because I will often I reference what my teacher, Ma Jaya says is to drink as I pour. And oftentimes that's the hardest advice for me to follow. So right now I would say that my self-care practice would be practicing those boundaries because I think Mm. that I have, um, I can go and I can do the massage. I can get the facial. I can take a yoga class, but unless I am you know, finding those healthy boundaries in my relationships with what I'm offering out into the world, whether it's Mm. traveling to get there or the time away from my family, like that has certainly been. So I've had to say no to some things where at this point in my career, it's like, is this the right thing to do? But I just know Mm. in order to take care of myself right now, I would say my self-care practice has been drawing those healthy boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. Is that something too that becoming a new parent has added a layer of like clarity in terms of setting boundaries? Like, has it has that made it easier or almost required it more? It has required it more. It certainly has not made it easier. More mm. than anything, this is like this is like uncharted territory for me. Like, we waited later in our marriage to have a baby. Like, I'm experiencing things for the first time that I'm just like, whoa! I've entered this stage in life, and I can honestly say I've never changed a newborn's diaper. Like these things that I'm just like, whoa! And so I have to lean into those practices. Like, it's not just like a um. It's not just a luxury. Even married with not having noble yet, I still had space and time to just like, what am I going to do today? Like, what am I going to eat today? Like, what am I going to, which way is the wind going to blow? And now, Mm -hmm. no. So I have to rely on these self-care practices and my yoga meditation practice in order for me to like show up for my and for my family. Yeah. yeah. Have have you ever had a moment as a as a practitioner where and, and maybe this is very common for people who are teachers of yoga and meditation, but these these offerings that like so many of us receive and as part mm-hmm. of our self-care practice, uh, but find yourself 
not caring for your, for your, I mean, that's, I think maybe that's kind of what your teacher was saying, right? Like you're giving, you give so much to others in Mm -hmm. in service of caring for themselves. And then you can like one day be like, wait a second. Right. Yeah. I'm not saying that you have to be a parent in order to understand that because I certainly understood the value in that. And there is something about knowing that, okay, I have this little being that I wanted to be here. And I'm the one who, you know, me and my husband, we're the ones who chose for, and I feel like this obligation where I'm just like, I have to like go until I burn out to serve Mm. this little boy, Mm. to serve this child. And I'm just like, well, what did he say? The math ain't mathing on that, honey. It's just like... (laughs) If you go until you you burn out, then are you really going to be able to be here to enjoy the, mm. your life with this child? And so I just want to make sure that I'm taking care of myself. So like I, I remember the sleep deprivation. Sometimes I, you know, that happens and it's like you don't have the help all the time. Like I know that I'm in a position of of privilege in many ways of uh, being fortunate to have a partner who's so hands on, but like sleep. Like Mm. sleep, like where I remember it in those first weeks, even with the help, there was something in me that was just like, no, I need to stay up to make sure that he's okay. It's just like, yeah. So I talked to my therapist (laughs) and we got through it. Mm -hmm, You mm -hmm. know, I'm still getting through it because I imagine that that is just a preview to how I'm going to show up at these different stages in life. I'm just at one stage in, in this journey. And I know that y'all are parents and it's just like, I'm at one stage in this journey and who knows what the next one will be like. So buckle up buttercup and uh, <laughs> <laughs> get into your practices. And that's what I'm doing. I, as a, mom who also became a mom for the first time in her 40s. I was almost Mm -hmm. 42 when I had Mm -hmm. my son. Um, You know, I do think it it hits different when you're in your 40s and you have your first kid because, you know, at least for me, I felt like I was, I I was bringing so much, (laughs) you know, of my own stuff and history to having, and he was so wanted. and mm-hmm. sometimes I found it a little bit hard to relate to other moms of babies because a lot of them were like 10, at least 10 years younger than yeah, me. I wonder about that sometimes too. Yeah. You know, and like, and I, and don't get me wrong. Like some of them are some now some of my closest friends, yeah. but like we're kind of in different life stages, except for this very big thing of having babies at the same time. Yeah. So I don't know. It's I, I always I always like meeting other moms who also had their first kid in their forties because mm-hmm. I think we have a unique perspective. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I don't even know where to begin sometimes where mm. you know, um just in this conversation right now, I know that he is being cared for and I also just heard him crying and I was like, mm-hmm. I'll be right back. And I'm just like, No, Chelsea. This is where you are right now. You know that he is being cared for. So those are those moments where I'm just like, even creating those boundaries with myself has been something that I don't know if I would have had that in my 20s or 30s, honestly. And that is 
all the love. And, you know, everybody has their trajectory of when they encounter certain lessons. And for my unique journey, I don't know if I would be able to navigate parenthood the way that (laughs) I'm doing it right now had it been earlier. So there's that piece, too. Yeah. Can I ask you about how you came first came to yoga and and how your relationship to your yoga practice has changed and evolved and mm-hmm. up, you know flowed since then yeah so i started you know in my early 20s right after i graduated from spelman um college that's that's the hat that i have on right now the that. 1881 when we were founded <laughs> and so i you know i definitely stepped into um adulthood womanhood came into myself through that um, experience at Spelman. And I remember that's where I started to hear about these um, practices, you know, like I'm from Dayton, Ohio. I certainly had seen like things on TV of people doing these breathing exercises, but it was always like interpreted as woo woo and like so esoteric, so intangible to a little girl in Dayton, Ohio. So like, it was just like, oh, okay, that's that. And then I got an opportunity to go to my first yoga class, which was a hot yoga class. I went to yoga because I thought that it was going to help me lose weight. I felt like I was really out of shape in my early twenties because, you know, I had been very active in high school, came to college. It was a big transition. And so a lot of the things that I would approach, they were just too hard, like running, walking, like all the things. And so I was like, okay, I hear that yoga is accessible. And depending on where you're reading or seeing yoga, it could have been an opposite experience. It could have been like, that ain't for me because you got to be, you know, you got to look a certain way. And so, you know, my approach was very physical. I thought it was just a workout. And then um, later on in life, I understood that it could be a tool that would help me through one of the biggest traumatic events of my life. And that was losing my best friend um, oh. to gun violence. And so it wasn't that in that moment I said, oh, I need to go to yoga to get through this. It was just like, I remember this practice. You know, it wasn't like I was going every day at the time, but I was like, I knew how I felt when I was on the yoga mat and I felt whole. I felt safe. I felt like really planted. And these were all the things that I was yearning for during this experience. And so I decided to go all the way. I ended up being a school teacher, an elementary school teacher for eight years. And in those first years of teaching, I also got certified in yoga and Fast forward, you know, a couple of years later, I was just like, well, what would happen if I started introducing the things that I'm learning in yoga and meditation to my students? And so I taught, I integrated, and then that's when I went to do the PhD program at Emory to really look at the impact yoga could have on how we interpret the world. And so now I'm at Peloton and it's just like... (laughs) That's a whole nother story, right? right? A thing that didn't even exist when you were... (laughs) first starting with yoga. Who would have ever thought? Exactly. Um, And, you know, when I finished that PhD program, it took five years for me to finish. Um, I had a decision to make. I was either going to apply to tenure track positions or I was going to continue to teach yoga on a scale that I knew I could I could reach more people. I could reach the general population if I chose to go in the other direction. Um, And so that's why I am where I am today, teaching in the mainstream ways um, on this platform. So, yeah. 
and how I got to connect with (laughs) y'all. Okay, well, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid-40s, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad. They're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering creppiness, Dory. Mm, okay. Which is okay. I visible know. on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, One Skin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like creppiness. And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel, I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, Mm. refreshed. They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting-edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their Mm -hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here Mm -hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving. That sun is coming at us at all times. One Skin believes the purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. One of the things that you just mentioned when you were talking about how you came to yoga is um, that, you know, you kind of thought initially people had to like look a certain way quote mm-hmm. unquote, to, mm-hmm. to do yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that I have always appreciated about your classes is you bring, it seems like you bring kind of your whole self to the classes and, you know, you're a black woman and mm-hmm. there are not that many kind of black women leaders in the yoga world. And I guess I'm just wondering, like, how, how does that feel for you? Like, 
in some ways it seems like you're, you have to kind of be this, um, icon, right. For this whole community. Um, but at the same time, like you are a real role model. So I'm just wondering how that, how, how you feel about that? Mm-hmm. Well, one thing I'm grateful for is again, the age part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, because with the age and the years that you accumulate on this earth, you get that experience. And so I think a lot of times because I don't lead with my age, I don't talk about it a lot. I think people assume that I may be younger than what I am. And so mm-hmm. I always love that I can hold and carry some of the the things that I have to navigate. And I know that it's through experiences in my age yes. that are helping me with that. And so it feels like I can be this chameleon sometimes and I can go mm-hmm. into spaces and I can be in the conversations. Um, I'm very, Shane, my husband actually is way more attuned to uh, the TikToks and the pop culture <laughs> things like that. And he keeps me like, and now we have a, a, you know, 10 month old. So I'm like, wow, I just got even younger because I'm going to have to keep up and know what's going on with him. So it feels, it feels like a huge responsibility that I know that I have made it to this point in my life that I am able to step into. Had this opportunity, I even say when I started yoga, when I was way more into the physical postures, when I was showing more of what I could do with my body, Mm -hmm. which I think is beautiful and there's power in that. I don't know who I would have been if I would have gotten the power that I sometimes get in spaces or the access, I will say, I get to certain opportunities, how I would use that um, had I not gotten the experiences and the skills and the I don't know. So on the one hand, there are moments because I'm I'm human, I'm whole, where I'm just like, wow, like time is running out. I got to get it done. Mm -hmm. And then on the other hand, I'm like, girl, you are right where you need to be. Like, yeah, this wouldn't come together in any other way unless it was exactly ordered in this way with your age being what it is, with you Mm -hmm. being exactly where you're planted. And so that's what it feels like. It feels like a huge responsibility that I've waited my entire life to step into. Mm. Oh, I just got chills. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask just kind of about the research and the focus you've done on connecting yoga to literacy and storytelling. When this is inter- just interesting to me as a person who's done yoga for a long time and is a writer, mm-hmm. I'm I would love to know kind of what you've seen and what you think like folks get when we connect or when they connect uh, yoga and this kind of artistic creative side of themselves mm-hmm. that, that yeah. they both uh, and both sides they may have never accessed before until you've yeah. introduced it. I love that. Well, the one thing is that as an educator, I'm an educational researcher and so I'm always fascinated and intrigued by the ways in which people learn, process information, mm. and share information. Oh, and so anytime that we can have a, um, a full way of sharing who we are, whether it's through sound, through the written experience, through like the art, I really believe in those multiple intelligences. I believe that the student who may not be as strong in verbally expressing themselves, may be able to express themselves through art. Perhaps that 
student is attuned to their body. So that's what I was drawn to, the literacy that we understand about our own bodies and about our connection to our bodies. And then the other component was I just thought about the things that I wanted when I was a young girl, when I was a young person, period. When I was reading um, in the 80s and I was obsessed with Ramona Quimby, and that was the closest person that I saw myself to. And I was like, well, what? how powerful could it have been to actually see my hair, see, hear my, imagine my accent from Dayton, Ohio, like all of those things. And I just thought about when I was a little girl, there weren't a lot of representatives of me in literature and I loved to read. And I love that it shifted my perspective so that I could go to a whole nother world and see the the world through another lens, but not too many times had I ever seen it through my lens. And so it was important for me to normalize girls who self-identified as girls and as black girls or brown girls or girls of color, like however that was for them, that they normalize that their stories are being centered. And so like with yoga, Although I was just like, yeah, I'm going to my first yoga class. When I would go out to look for the people that I could see to give me the confidence to go to that next yoga class, no, they weren't elevated. So I wanted to normalize in yoga literature and art camp, which was the result of my dissertation, was that, you know, we can actually be centered in all the parts of us, not just when people, you know, not when it's just Black History Month, not just when, you know, in 2020, I think about when there was an investment in understanding the lives of Black folks. It's just like, no, this is every day, no days off. And so yoga literature in our camp is a space for people who self-identify as young girls ages 13 through 17. And we normalize that their teachers are also them, that they are reflected in that way. And their teachers are poets. They are yoga teachers. They are advocates in their community. And so that that is what YLA mm-hmm. Camp is and what inspired me to bring those parts together. I love that so much. And I, I also think it's so interesting that you come to yoga as a as a researcher in this way of of how mm-hmm. we learn. Yeah. Because it's only dawning on me now. I'm like, wow, she must use that as she teaches us all these things. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, you show up to take your class and I'm like, oh, la, la, la. And then you, you <laughs> now that I'm sitting here getting to really pick your brain, I'm thinking about the ways in which you must strategically really approach teaching and how how thoughtful and I think we can feel that as as mm-hmm. people who take your mm-hmm. class, so there's a real thoughtful energy to the way you approach talking about the body, the mind, mm-hmm. the connection, the movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, it's just now dawning on me. And I think that's so oh, beautiful. Good. I love that. Yeah. And the music, like I mm-hmm. love music. I'm a musician before I was a yogi, I feel like in many ways. And I just think about, um, you know, every Monday I go through a different genre of music and tonight is country, y'all. And it's just well, like, how dare mm. I not push and encourage myself to go outside of my comfort zone if I'm asking for mm-hmm. students to come to yoga for the first time and get outside of theirs. And y'all, there are some bops in the country genre. <laughs> like, oh, excuse me. <laughs> yeah. In my mind. Yeah, and I was heart. actually going <laughs> to ask you about the music in your classes. Um, 
could you talk just a little bit about how you, you know, you just alluded to it a little bit, mm-hmm. but could you talk about how you choose the music, how you kind of put a class together oh, yeah. musically yeah. Um, and what some artists that you've discovered kind of work really well for yoga that you might not have expected? Yeah. So every Monday we do, I do a thing called Music Mondays and it was intentional in that I wanted, if you didn't think yoga was for you, that I was convinced that if I play the perfect soundtrack for you, I could get you to come to yoga. Mm. And so whether it is trap music out of the hip hop genre, gospel or country or rock, I'm going to attempt to show you that yoga is for you. Um, All you got to do is just give it a chance and listen to the music. And so that was the intention behind using the music. That was how I started, you know, in Atlanta, Georgia, I started teaching yoga in a community center and a coffee shop. And the one thing that kept bringing people back was the fact that my playlists were fire and people were just like, if I'm going to do yoga, it's going to be with that music. And so, you know, I've gotten letters and uh, DMs and emails from people who have said, yeah, you have made me a believer. Like, I did not think that I always thought that yoga was so boring or that, you know, and they're just like, I look forward to come into the mat because I just, I learned something new about myself by listening to the music and um, putting it with the, the movement. And so, yeah, that was the inspiration behind the music. I took a class with you recently and mm-hmm. you said in this class, I think it was like a, it might've even been like a quick 10 minute, 15 minute class, but you said something that stuck with me, which is that, one of the reasons people struggle with yoga is because it asks us to quiet the mind. And this can feel scary. Mm-hmm. And it's something I've been thinking about a lot this year personally. Like, what does it mean to actually quiet the mind? Mm-hmm. What do you, what does it offer? Like, what would you suggest it offers us? And like, what are the moments like when it feels hard for or scary for you? Because I'm, I'm imagining yeah. that even for, even for you, it, there are times where you're like, oh, I don't want to sit with this. Yeah. So I think about, you know, quieting the mind is really, uh, it's funny because it's not quiet at all. It's getting louder than ever. So it's just like, if we get to that place where we can use our meditation practice to quiet the distractions that are around us, even if the distractions, the sounds, I live in New York City, even if the horns, the fights, the whatever that are happening outside, even if they're going on, that chaos, Right. When we're able to, that's the quieting of the mind. But to me, that's when the mind is speaking the loudest, when we're able to listen to actually what has been saying or what or the body, what the body has been saying. And so that's what I'm asking when I I say it feels uncomfortable or that's what I'm saying. It's uncomfortable. And I think that there are these moments, whether it's through the media, through um, social media, where it almost um, compartmentalizes yoga to be this thing that you do on a weekend, on a whim, on a girl's trip, on a, it's just like this thing that's just like, oh my gosh, and we're going to try yoga. This is what the itinerary is, right? And that it can't possibly be this thing that you integrate into your life. And I think that is because you almost need a retreat 
to support whatever could be coming up that you have been moving fast paced through this life to not really sit with and listen to. And you're just like, okay, I can do that on a retreat weekend. But can I do that and continue to function and show up in my job? Can I continue to function and show up in my family when I'm starting to listen to things that may be showing up that happened 20 years ago that I just didn't ever want to face? And every time I'm triggered, it comes up. But when I did this meditation or this yoga practice, for whatever reason, I was able to sit with it. And so for whatever reason, I was drawn to that and I went back. And it can also stop you right in your tracks and say, oh, no, that was way too much for me. And so that's why I like to remind people to continue to use the breath as a tool to keep yourself grounded, rooted and remind you that you are okay, that you can make it to the next breath. And that's why I use music as well um, to support the practice. Uh, So for me, those moments have certainly been in this new transition into parenthood. I think about the moments I did have Noble in a hospital. It was an emergency C-section, so it was unexpected. It was my first experience ever being in a hospital just giving birth. I remember the moment at, it was probably like 3 a.m. and they left Noble with me and I looked at Noble, Noble looked at me, and I'm looking at him like, oh, shit, we are, I don't know if I can say that on here, sorry, <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, you can, you can oh, say all the swears. <laughs> I was like, this is real, like, and I, and I just remember it was so quiet. I felt like everything in the hospital was quiet, like, it was just that moment, and I was completely at face with reality, and that was my beautiful son in front of me. And so that's what it feels like to me. It doesn't have to be in the shape of your firstborn. It can be in the shape of, you know, that thing that you have said out loud that you really want for yourself and you meditate on it every day. And, you know, whatever that may be, that can be hard because it can be hard to speak it out loud because what if it doesn't come true? And so I feel like meditation for me, that's when the things that are scary to speak out loud come up. Because what if they are untrue or what if they are true? And yeah, those have been the moments for me that have been challenging. Could we talk a little bit about how you came to Peloton and what the process of getting hired by Peloton was sure, like? I know. It's wild, right? It's just like, where did these I, 80s baby? I'm always like referencing Voltron. I'm like, they have no idea what I'm But it's just like, how do you get all of these different people who have all these different vibes in the strongest ways and we're all here together to to come together? So I think that Peloton, what Peloton does really well is that's understand talent. And I had already been doing the stuff that I'm doing now in Peloton, whether anyone was looking or not. I remember the first time I had my first yoga class that I taught at the ashram in Atlanta where I got certified and no one showed up. No one came to my first class or it may have been the second class. I may have showed up to the first and then they weren't there at the second. And I kept practicing. I remember I stayed there. I may have cried a little bit, but I practiced the duration that I would have taught the class. 
And I remember that moment because I was like, if it means that much when no one is watching, then imagine when every when someone is watching. And so I think that I just really poured into a skill. And I think that a lot of my colleagues were in the same way, pouring into a skill or to something that they loved. And it finally got noticed. And so um, they reached out to me and they actually reached out to me before the pandemic. And it just happened that it aligned that I was starting right when the pandemic had, you know, got underway. And so um, I don't know. I Again, it's one of those moments of like everything that I've done have been perfectly aligned for this to yeah. happen. And uh, at the time, I was a global ambassador for a major apparel brand. And I was traveling the world globally to teach yoga and then to fast forward to 2020 and to be the only person in the room teaching yoga to yeah. millions. It was a wild That's a trip. paradigm shift mm-hmm. um, that certainly grew me up over these last three years. <laughs> but also, I'm so glad you talk about <clears throat> the moment you go to teach and no one is there. Mm-hmm. Because I think sometimes <clears throat> like those are the moments where we have to decide, like, like you said, like, that's when we really decide like do we love like why are we here are we here because people might show up or are we here because this is a part of who we are right and um as someone who has shown up to do like a book signing or a book reading and had Mm -hmm. nobody you know had like one person there like that that can be really it can be very humbling and very you know it really it takes a minute and then you realize like well i'm you still are going to give it the same as if you would as if you're doing it for a million people. Yeah. Yeah. But ooh, those are the hard moments. <laughs> they are. And the, there's the moments you don't, you know, people don't always, always see, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. especially via, via social media. Um, what is it like? What is it like, I guess, now kind of carrying? And I think you've made such a great point of like the all the 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 life you have led thus far has made it so that you can kind of carry this role. But I also imagine it's also very intense, like as we come in and we're like, Oh my God, we took your class. And, and <laughs> like, you know, I, I know everything about your life. Like these, the parasocial relationships we form are very intense and very real. And like, there are like millions of us who have that with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure boundary setting is a big part of like how you manage that. But was there kind of a moment where you, first realized what was going on, having like the entire nation mm-hmm. taking your classes along with you? It was wild because I will say I had a little bit of preparation um, being with the global apparel brand that I was with, but that was kind of insulated into the yoga community. Like, you know, and they're, they're like I'm big in Japan, like I'm, they love me in China. It's just like, that's what it is with yoga. It's just like, oh, you should know about me in the yoga community. So like when I come to the fitness community, it was just like, oh, okay, we've heard about her. And then because of how I showed up, when I showed up, my first class before I even did my premiere class was a meditation, breathe and speak up with Tunde, my colleague, um, after George Floyd was murdered. So it was just like all of those things were in position for me to do exactly what I've known that has been inside of me to provide support to so many. And so when I am in a store or when I'm in a coffee shop and I'm putting in a coffee order and somebody turns around because they hear my voice 
and they're like, oh my gosh, I listen to you every night to go to sleep. That is not lost on me. Like I Mm. know, especially since 2020 and over the course of these years, how much that means to people, how hard it was to make it to each day, the amount of loss that we had experienced, whether it was in our own families or seeing it on TV, the change that we're all experiencing. And I know that um, that my voice at night with sleep meditations or a deep relaxation or a tribe called Quest Yoga Flow or Beyonce Yoga Flow or whatever it was to make the day a little bit lighter, I know that it really impacted people and I I'm just really humble like to know that. So I don't know. Th- those are the questions that are hard for me to answer where I'm just like, yeah, yeah leave it sometimes. And also, yep. And I take that and I hope that I can continue to be a home base for so many people. And has it been nice getting to have the in-person classes return? Yes, it is so sweet and really nice, especially when you get those leaderboard names. Um, yeah. that's, you know, that's how we connect um, Peloton like w- with our name. And to see those people in person um, is a mm. really sweet moment. Uh, and yeah, and it's just getting back to me what yoga was in the beginning, in the first place for me, like this isolated experience on my yoga mat, but I'm surrounded by so many people having their own experiences. And then we're having this collective experience together. So it's nice to see them in person. <laughs> if you had, um, advice for folks, I think especially with meditation, it can feel so daunting, even, mm-hmm. especially the more the more kind of simplistic meditation seems. I don't I know for me, it almost feels more overwhelming. Yeah. Is there an entry point that you kind of suggest for people who are coming to it, not just brand new, but also maybe feeling like they they can't they can't mm-hmm. meditate? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that it's important to Remember to not let your meditation or yoga practice be yet another thing that you use to beat yourself up and Mm. to it in that way. And so like if you're walking into it or moving into it in that way, I think that that is half the battle. Um, You know, I always like to tell people with the, the chance of sounding like a commercial, but I'm like, I would love to practice with you. And I have meditations as short as five minutes. And people think that you need the Peloton bike or the tread and you don't, you just need the app. And so I always love to, to tell people that I got five minute meditations where it's just like, oh, okay, I can do that. Let me just concentrate on five minutes. Maybe that is for the whole year or the rest of the year that yeah. it's just five minutes. And just approaching it in that way and know that mm-hmm. it doesn't have to look a certain way. You don't have to be sitting in a certain way um, and that it will meet you exactly where you are, but you have to be kind to yourself during the process. And that's what I hope that I'm constantly reminding folks of, to be kind to themselves. Well, you do. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Um, oh, mm. I think that's a lovely note to end on. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, Chelsea. It's, it was really such a treat to get to talk to you. Um, and learn more about your practice and your story. Um, is there somewhere besides the Peloton app that our listeners can follow you? Sure. Chelsea Loves Yoga. So Chelsea Loves Yoga is my website. Um, you can contact us there. And then um, also on social media, those are my handles. Yes. Chelsea Great. Loves Yoga. <laughs> 
Well, thank you so much. Thank you both. Thank you. Well, that was a real thrill to get to talk to Chelsea. And now when I take her yoga classes, I'm like, (laughs) BFFs now. (laughs) Uh, Not really. I'm honoring the boundary, but you know, I just think she's fantastic. She's truly fantastic. You know what? I took a, I took a yoga class the day we got home from traveling. I was so zonked. Mm. And it, I took a yin, 20 minute yin yoga oh. class on the Peloton app and it really energized me. I, I never have had I that experience love those before. Yin classes. Normally I'm kind of like, mm, now I'm tired. But I was like, oh, wow, I am, I am like ready to conquer the evening. Maybe that's why I didn't sleep that night. Oh, interesting. Maybe. But it was a great, yeah, it was really, felt really good. I love that. Well, Kate, how did uh how did not always sharing go for you? It's been very interesting. So I'm taking a bit of a self-enforced social media break um to really work on the ways that impacts my mental health because that's a that's a larger issue that I've been working on with my therapist. And so I I really wanted to like have this trip with my family and see what it felt like not to post it online or mm-hmm. talk about it online or like mm-hmm. dig into what it meant that like I didn't share that my husband got to do this like you know how proud I am of him and I didn't post it because I just just really kind of digging into what it means to exist online as a mm. human I'm really doing trying to do I don't know it's just kind of really come up for me a lot this year so it was interesting I'll have to say, I have to say it was weird at times. There are, there are, my my brain thinks in terms of posts. And I found this when Mm. I stopped tweeting and I stopped, think I stopped using Twitter in like 2018 maybe. And for so long, it was hard for me not to, not to think thoughts in how to write them in tweets. Like I'd have a thought and then I'd be like, wow. And my brain would immediately turn it into a quip. Oh my gosh, that's so interesting. Do you ever feel does your does your brain do this? Not not quite like that, but I I do sometimes find myself thinking about like, oh, should I post? Like, how should I post this? What should I say? And then I'm like, do I need to? Sometimes yeah. I do feel like I need to, and then sometimes I'm like, no. Yeah, just it, it's been interesting to like eliminate that choice for myself, and and also like not to be receiving validation in that way. I think I get a lot of validation totally. from online stuff. And totally. so I don't know. I'm just kind of, I'm trying to just see what it feels like. So anyway, it was good. And my intention this week is to just kind of get back on a schedule because I'm all thrown off from travel. And um, and then, as I mentioned, school starts in my house in a few days. And so that kind of throws everything into, you know, it shifts gears extremely. So I just kind of want to, I feel better once I kind of um, have some sort of grounded schedule. How about you, Dory? How about you? Um, Okay. Well, last week I said I was going to keep up the decluttering momentum, which has sort of been happening. It's not as momentous as I would like, but it's, but it's sort of been happening. Mm. Um, This week, my parents are coming to visit. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So 
I do want to, I do feel like I need to like get the house ready for them. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that will require some decluttering. Um, and yeah, going to kind of try to think about what we're going to do. And they're only going to be here for, they're going to be here for three nights. So not, not, not a ton of time. My parents love to just kind of go in and out, in and out. Yeah. They come for like a quick, they come for a quick trip. <laughs> They really subscribe to that old adage, guests and fish start to stink after three days. I have never heard that, but I love that so much. <laughs> I've oh, never heard that? Love that. No. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay. But, uh, you know, yes. that's true. Yeah. And, you know, they were kind enough when we came to the East Coast. They let us stay at their house for like six days. Um, and we You probably- don't stink. We well, you know, we got COVID, so so that kind of was stinky, right? But we didn't know we had yes. COVID. <laughs> yes, that is stinky. Um, it sucks. COVID is it's still out there. Yeah, but you know, it's gonna be. It's probably gonna be a little hot mm-hmm. when they're here, and I don't know. Just kind of gonna try to sort of figure that out. Go to the beach. We'll go Get to the him beach. out of the house. My dad is obsessed with the beach. Oh, he did. Okay, so he likes the beach. I feel like sometimes he, people are not he beach. He like beach loves babies. the beach. Oh, yeah. Get him to the beach. I'll get him to the beach. He likes to beach, as our friend Ken says. Oh my god, we haven't even talked about the Barbie movie. I loved it so much. What does he say? I love beach. <laughs> Whoops. He says something along those lines. Uh, the way he talks about beach as his job cracked me up the whole freaking time. Oh. Yeah. So, you know, maybe we'll we'll beach. Your dad um, is our Ken. Dory, you know what? I just realized we did not mention that you can always leave us a voicemail or text us. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. I apologize, everybody, but wow. that number is 781-591-0390 and our email is forever35podcast at gmail.com. And uh, Forever 35 is hosted and produced by me, Dori Shafrier, and Kate Spencer, and produced and edited by Sam Junio. Sammy Reed is our project manager and our network partners, ACAST. Thanks so much for listening. We will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.